Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary, Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include topics being covered at the IMB conference in San Diego, part two of my interview with author Scott Agnew, this time on why it's important to have a plan in uncertain times, and the latest news driving the bond markets. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more, visit richiemay.com. There are a lot of topics being covered at the MBA's Independent Mortgage Banker Conference. One of them is hedging, and if you want a primer on how lenders are protecting themselves from interest rate risk, there's a link that you can find at robchrisman.com. Yesterday, MBA's Marina Walsh observed what lenders are doing now to survive. In no order, reducing the cost of sales, revisiting existing office leases, taking advantage of predictive analytics, critically examining their business lines, ramping up new products or looking at geographic expansion, retaining servicing, further staffing adjustments, and reducing middle management. Take your pick or do them all. But every lender is doing something as the days of raising margins to slow volume are long gone. In fact, many lenders who have retained servicing are selling it to maintain their cash flows, despite servicing income being a huge part of whatever profits were to be had in 2022. The mortgage servicing rights market has opened 2023 with billions of dollars on the market and more to come. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show, Keller Williams, Scott Agnew, to talk about navigating through uncertain times and what the industry has learned since 2008. You've said that looking at the housing crash of 2008 can inspire and motivate leaders for what's to come here in 2023 and beyond. What do you mean by that? It's funny, like um, right now, um, you know, buyers have reluctance. You know, some buyers are reluctant. Rates have gone up. Housing prices haven't exactly adjusted yet. They're, they will a little bit more. And they become reluctant. Well, in in the market where um, people stop buying, um, the leverage shifts from the seller to the buyer. And when there's a market where the you know everybody's buying the leverage shifts to the seller because of the demand and it's interesting how buyers stop buying when they have leverage and right now this is a time when they when they certainly have leverage sellers can participate you know in with uh, buying down mortgage rates um, some sellers will do that. It's even more advantageous to buy down the rate than it is to lower the price in many instances. Um, there are a lot of opportunities for real estate agents to really earn uh, their, their, their commissions by helping walk their clients through the psychology of you know, this shifting market, if you will. Um, you know, like one of the things that a client might have, they might have worries or doubts or fears or concerns. And what a good real estate agent might point out to them is what, what really matters, you know? 
Do you want to get a great home so you know so your family can enjoy themselves? Do you want to have a nice backyard, et cetera? You know all this, all those kinds of things. And you know what what's happening? And you know wh- you know why are you feeling this way? And and then the question then becomes, you know, how am I going to go get through this and still contribute to the lives of my clients? Right? How can I get them to focus on what's really important? rather than the temporary circumstance of the moment. So 2008 was a great lesson in that. And now that we're going through this again, which I don't believe is as nearly as, you know, uh, dramatic as we, as we experienced 2008, I think it's more important to, than ever to just help people stay focused on the real important things. Like, you know, would you be happy doing this at the end of the day, if you got into this property? I mean, I had a a neighbor just, uh, you know, he sold their house, um, you know, uh, about, you know, three weeks ago. And, you know, he started out at a very, very high price based on his anticipation, you know, of what was going on, you know, in the last 18 months. And, you know, it was, it was our job to talk to him and get him back into the, into a realistic price. And as soon as he got into that realistic price, the home sold very quickly. Um, Yes, he didn't make as much as he could have, but because we shared with him the bigger picture, he he still made a ton of money, you know, ton a ton of equity on his house based on you know him buying it, you know, twelve years ago. So he didn't make what he thought he could have made, but we kind of helped him, you know, get realistic and and understand that the bigger picture here it was that he wanted to get his home sold so that he could go, uh, you know. Uh, retire and move up into the mountains and buy a cabin. And we helped him do that. And we helped him stay on what was really important rather than focusing on, you know, a a few dollars, right? I want to continue that mindset discussion. And one one of your uh, principles that you mentioned is it's better to stay outcome focused rather than problem focused. Can you explain what each of those is and why it's preferable to stay outcome focused? Sure. Uh, and and one it's 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 preferable to stay focused on outcome because what our client, what your client is looking for and what you're looking for is an end result. Um it's very easy to focus on the problem. In fact, you know, you go to the coffee shop and everybody's talking about the problems with this, that, and the other thing. But when you start, you know, with problems with the government, problems with politics, po- problems with interest rates, problems with you know, the city council, whatever it is. And you'll notice that most discussions will focus and have be dominated by redefining, re, um, you know, re-examining, restating the problems. We call those spotters. Um, and I, when I, when I speak, I talk, I talk about spotters being a dime a dozen. And of course, in the crowd, people go, what's a spotter? Well, spotters are a dime a dozen because anybody can spot the problem. It takes a little bit of work to really come up with strategy and tactics and actions that are narrowly focused to um, solve the problem. Um, that's where great, that's where fortunes are made, right? In solving the problem. You know, Netflix solved a problem years ago in the in the video industry because when you rented movies and you were late, you had to pay a late fee. And Netflix solved that problem by eliminating late fees. 
you know, when you're done watching the movie, just mail it back. And then when you mail it back, we'll send you another movie. That was how they did it. Now they've completely solved that problem because now it's all streaming and very easy to do. And if you don't, you know, if you don't like something, you click on it. There are no more late fees. You pay a standard fee where everybody's certain what it's going to be every month. And they might raise the price a little bit, but people for the most part, I think, get a lot of value out of having a subscription, you know, type product where they're not penalized because they're victims of, you know, their own human nature. Uh, people forget that, you know, the kid throws the videotape back in the back seat somewhere and they don't see it and they forget about it and they walk in and now they're paying 12, 15 bucks in late fees. And Netflix comes around and says, you know what, if we could eliminate that, if we could solve that problem, uh, look what we could do. So that's an example in, in, uh, you know, in, in real estate, we had a recent, you know, in the last 20 months, we had a real big problem. People didn't want to sell their house because they didn't think they could buy another house because availability was so low. And so, you know, there are companies that came out, that came up to solve that problem. And the problem was simple. They would offer what is essentially, you know, what you would call like a bridge loan. You know, we'll go buy the house you want to buy, tie that house up, then we'll sell your, then we'll put your house up for sale and we'll price it such that it will sell quickly. And we solved that problem because we were focused, you know, on a workable solution. I want to close by asking you to explain the importance of having clear vision through uncertain and challenging times. And, and I assume part of this is, you know, when, when challenging or uncertain times hit, people's natural tendency is to scramble around like a chicken with their head cut off sort of thing. But if you have a clear plan, it's obviously going to benefit you. Can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so important to have, you know, I, I, I always say, you know, you need a, you need a tool, you need a mechanism, you need something you can look at because we're visual, right? And, and I recommend you put all your objectives and goals on one piece of paper. <laughs> or if you have a whiteboard, put it on your whiteboard. Or if you have a tablet, put it on your tablet, as long as you look at that tablet every day. And, you know, we all lose focus. We all get distracted. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel is a big deal, especially in the sales world or in the entrepreneurial world. And where the way entrepreneurs will start to thrive is when they can come back and refocus, eliminate distractions, eliminate all the temptations to, you know, give your mind a vacation and wander off, you know, into the wilderness and, and think about, you know, roses and flowers and the sunset. When you have tasks at hand that need to be done, need to be done quickly, efficiently, effectively, and with grace and and stay you know when you stay on that mark um what happens is all of a sudden you look up and you're you've completed all your tasks you've gotten through with it and i always i always say this you know get through the 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 most important things focus on you know you hear this a lot the 80 20 principle focus on your 20% i would say in uncertain times focus on your 5% if you just get five the 5% or Another way to put it is the most important thing or, you know, one or two things a day that you nail versus trying to juggle, you know, six or seven or eight things in a day that where you haven't even prioritized. 
So prioritize, know what has, and, and the way you prioritize is you kind of ask the question, if I accomplish this thing, would it make everything else easier? Or would it make it even maybe in some cases unnecessary, right? So, and, and you, you know, have, you have different arenas, like you might have a client relationship. What's the one thing I can do to, you know, really nail that relationship, really gain that person's loyalty, trust, and eventually their business. Another one might be, you know, how, what's the one thing I can do to, to get my staff to be, you know, all on the same page, uh, you know, what's one thing I could do? Maybe it, maybe that one thing would be a cadence of check-in meetings, you know, every morning at, at 8.15 that only lasts 15 minutes and you're just checking off with your, your staff members to make sure that they're focused, they know what the task of the day is, they know what's most important, and they, they get to hear your vision again. So those, those are examples of, of, of how you can kind of ask yourself the, the, that impact question, right? What's the most important thing I'd be getting done right now? And it might be leader, a leadership question. It might be that you have to pick up, you know, you have to haul water yourself and chop wood yourself um, because maybe you need to demonstrate to your, you know, to your troops, your team uh, that you're still in the game, you know, and, uh, and, and earning their trust so that they'll follow you. Um, it, it's, it's a thing that I call, um, you know, be curious enough instead of judging things, be curious enough to find out what you can be doing that's totally appropriate in those moments of chaos. And being appropriate in the moment, I think, is really kind of the, one of the definitions of, you know, a leader. Excellent point. I thought this interview was great, Scott. There's a ton of valuable tidbits in there. And uh, for those that are interested in learning more, obviously, your book, Long-Term Leader, is available on Amazon. Thank you very much for making the time to talk to me today. You're welcome, Robbie. The Federal Reserve has several missions on its charter, one of which is adding stability to the U.S. economy, and it typically carries out this mission through the Federal Open Market Committee. The FOMC is expected to slow its pace of tightening further next week by raising the target range for the federal funds rate by only 25 basis points. It's pretty quiet out there as markets await that FOMC decision, though we learned yesterday that a $42 billion two-year Treasury note sale met strong demand, continuing a stellar stretch of note and bond auctions ahead of today's $43 billion five-year note sale and tomorrow's $35 billion seven-year note auction. After mortgage rates declined for the third straight week, mortgage applications increased 7% from one week earlier, according to data from the Mortgage Bankers Association's Weekly Mortgage Applications Survey. This week's results included an adjustment for the observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Aside from the aforementioned Treasury auctions, that is today's only economic release of note. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better about an eighth versus Tuesday evening, and the tenure yielding 3.42 after closing yesterday at 3.47%. The two-year is at 4.14%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. All this week, we're giving you quotes from actual medical exams and physician experiences. Quote, I was performing rounds at the hospital one morning, and while checking up on a man, I asked, So how's your breakfast this morning? It's very good, except for the Kentucky jelly. I can't seem to get used to the taste, Bob replied. 
I then asked to see the jelly, and Bob produced a foil packet labeled KY Jelly. <laughs> Thanks again to this week's podcast sponsor, Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more, visit RichieMay.com. about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.